Uh, I have a short word before we minister this evening. And the title of the message is quite shocking. It is called The Greatest Title on Earth. The Greatest Title on Earth. Allow me to begin with a vision the Lord gave me a while back. He gave me two visions, but allow me to begin with the first vision. The Lord appeared to me, and by His Holy Spirit, He took me to a certain city. So we were the two of us walking in a certain city. The city was very advanced, with all systems of government intact in place. There were celebrated writers in that city. There were prominent magistrates in that city. There was a governor in that city. There was the city treasurer. There were every manner of high-class and low-class people. And then suddenly, as we walked with the Lord, a curtain appeared in front of us. And on the other side, the Lord allowed me to see history about to be made. And a voice told me as we stood there with the Lord, history is about to be made. But who in this city am I going to use? And we stood there with the Lord and I did not know how to answer. And I just kept watching. Because sometimes when the Lord is walking with you, the best you can do is watch, not to talk. And we watched. And suddenly I saw, together with the Lord, the whole of that area, together with the whole of that region and the continent, and eventually the whole world, beginning to be touched from that city. And the Lord told me, keep watching. Who am I about to tell what I am about to do to change this city and this region? And a title appeared in front of a very tiny two-roomed house. It was this room where children were sleeping, and on the other side, it was the husband and the wife sleeping. Just two rooms of a house. And we looked at this house, it sounded like a joke. Because history is about to be made, and you are expecting the Lord to go to the governors of the city, the Lord to go to the city rulers, or the city magistrates, or the prominent writers. Instead, we went to a certain house of two rooms. And on that door was written the greatest title on earth. Do you know the title? The disciple of the Lord. And the Lord told me, when I enter a city, I am not looking for the rulers. I am not looking for the prominent ones. I am not looking for the writers and the authors. I am looking for my disciples. And we entered that, that house. And the Lord told his servant, Arise, I want to speak to you. Ladies and gentlemen, that man was called Ananias. And that great event that was about to happen in history was the salvation of Saul of Tarsus, who later on became Apostle Paul. When the Lord Jesus wanted to save Paul and to instruct him, he did not go to the governor of Damascus. He did not go to the magistrates in Damascus. He did not even go to the prominent families of Damascus. He went very quietly to a house of a certain man we are about to read who was called Ananias. But his real title was this, the disciple of the Lord. Let's read 
Take care of that dog. Let's read Acts chapter Acts chapter 9 from verse Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we are looking from verse 5. But we can begin from verse 3. The Bible says, As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him. Verse 4, And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Soul, soul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 5, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 6, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man, and Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him in to Damascus. Verse 9, And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here I am, Lord. Verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias, coming in and putting his hand on him, that it might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done by the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananas is telling Jesus, Listen, Lord, in this city, they are chief priests. They are chiefs. Are you hearing me? In this city of Damascus, there are chiefs. Chiefs who have given letters for us who follow you to be killed. Meaning, true to the vision the Lord showed me, there were chiefs in Damascus. There were chief priests. There were chief lawyers. There were chief doctors. There were chiefs in short. I don't have to twist it a lot for you to get it. That there were chiefs. But when the Lord was about to do the greatest event that forever shaped Western civilization, that forever shaped Christianity as we know it. He did not go to chiefs. He went to a disciple. And I don't want to take a lot of time. I want to tell you something, people of God. There is pressure for people to become something other than disciple. There is a growing pressure for women to become anything apart from disciples of Jesus. There is a growing pressure for men to become anything else apart from disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And I was telling a friend of mine whom I love very much. I was telling him, my brother, I know you are trying to be a good husband. You are trying to be a great leader. You are trying to be a great Christian. And all this is making you sweat and not sleep well. Let me do you a favor that even you who are listening to me, I want to do to you. This is the favor I want to do to you. I want to tell you, the Lord expects you to be a disciple. Not to be a great citizen. If it was about being great citizens, then Peter and his group those days, they were outlaws. They were not good citizens. If it was about stature and finances, then I think Nicodemus should have been the greatest apostle. We don't despise status, but status is not what led Jesus to the cross. We don't despise financial muscle, but financial muscle is not what took Jesus to the cross. The Lord died that men should no longer live for themselves, but they should live for him as disciples. I have one great desire in my heart. I don't know about you. I want to be remembered not for my preaching, not for my voice, not for my intellect, not for my publications. I want to be remembered for one thing, that that man there was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because when you are a disciple, you may look initially like you are being bypassed by events. But the Lord will do for you the greatest thing he can ever do to a human being before he dies. The Lord will give you revelation of his will. The Lord is about to shape history through Apostle Paul. The Lord is about to shape history through this persecutor turned believer. And who does he go to? He does not go to the chiefs. He goes to the disciple. No greater honor does a man have than to carry the mind of Jesus. No greater honor does a man have than to carry the heart of Jesus. No greater honor does a man have than to carry the secrets of Jesus. No greater honor. That this city is about to be visited by God and God gives you the program from start to finish. That this world is about to come to an end and then God comes through his spirit and he tells you, this is how it is about to end. No wonder the other day as I was preaching, I admired this man called John, the revelator. Because when John was done seeing the plan of Jesus, he was told, now the Bible is over. And after that we don't have another Bible. We don't have another book. We don't have another chapter. I want to ask you, why are you stressed out? Why are you straining? Why are you crying because of this achievement or that achievement? Why do you worry about that thing or that other thing? Why doesn't it bother you that people know you by another title other than disciple? If all of us could desire to be known as disciples, I tell you... <laughs> We will not have to pray for people to be promoted because the Lord has a way of rewarding his disciples. There are promises given specifically to disciples. It is disciples who are told, in this life and in the life to come, you will receive even a hundred times. Then he listed the things. And we have women. And we have men. 
who have gone to schools and seminars and congregations and meetings and they were told how to be this and this and this and this and nobody told them to be disciples. I wish Pastor Kimani, part of the premarital class, thank God I'm yet to attend it. I wish they could bring in this clause, how to be a disciple and not just a couple or not just a parent. If people are concentrating on being disciples of Jesus, we will not have to show them how to be good husbands, or how to be good wives, or how to be good parents. If all they want to do is to be remembered for how closely they follow Jesus, we will not have to remind them how to behave, and how to keep time, and how to hold hands, and how to smile, and all these social etiquettes that even the world can teach their own who do not know God. I believe with all of my heart, after these few years of working with Jesus, the greatest achievement you can ever have, whether you are a man or a woman, a child or a grandpa or a grandma, the greatest achievement you can ever have, the greatest recommendation you can ever receive, is that you are a disciple of Jesus. Not a preacher of Jesus. Not a singer of Jesus. Because some of these things we are exalting in the world, all they take is talent. But discipleship takes the whole soul, dying so that Christ can live through it. And I love the second revelation the Lord showed me, even as we prepare to minister. Because some of you are looking at me and you are so tired because you have tried to be good this, good that. <laughs> You've tried to be good this, good that. Good girl, good boy. Good wife, good husband. And you've tried to be a good businessman. You have tried these other titles. And the Lord is telling you like, as if you have never come to church, come unto me who are weary. <laughs> you are trying to get this title, like our brother told us in the morning. He is this title. And I don't despise him. Kila mtu ashike Now, he has attained it. But my prayer for all of you, including me, is this. Even our enemies will sigh and say, surely that man is a disciple of Jesus. That woman is a disciple of Jesus. Yes, we have had a talk. We have seen her even do business. We have seen her travel. We have seen her preach or sing. But Something more than what she does defines her. And that is our walk with Jesus. You know, some people are good actors. They know how to, you know, if it is singing, they know how to sing better. If it is preaching, they know how to preach better. If it is writing or doing exams, they know how to do it better. And we think heaven commends them for what they are doing. Heaven is not alone about what we do. Heaven is about who we are. And who we are is not about how long we have prayed. It is how closely we have related with Jesus. I will be cursed, Pastor Kimani, if people just know me as apostle, but they don't know Jesus about me. They only know my gifting and my office. They only call me and see me with my titles, not with my savior. The one who gave me the title is no longer seen. People only see my title. I will be a failure if that happens. No wonder now, my brothers, my sisters, I want to call you gently to rest 
what is the rest we have? The rest we have is that we are no longer to be performers. We are to be relators. The rest we have is that we are no longer to push it harder. We are to surrender more. Surrender is more tough than pushing. Yes, it is in surrender where your discipleship will be perfected. I know some women who have come to me and even come to other ministers saying, oh, I feel like I have failed as a mother. How did you fail? Oh, you know, and they give us these social principles they have not lived up to. And the Lord by Spirit is only groaning. When will she be bothered that she's not a proper Christian or a proper disciple? My dear brother, my dear sister, what bothers you? What is it that makes you not to sleep at night? Is it the fact that you are yet to buy this and own this? Or is it the fact that your expression of Jesus is yet to be evident even to the people around you? Suppose the Holy Ghost showed up and was to talk to a, a foreign prophet about you. Will he call you my disciple or will he call you that man who sings? Or that woman who preaches. My brother Prophet Peter, there is nothing so embarrassing than to be appreciated by the world for your gifts and your talents. It is dangerous. When the world looks at you and says, hey, and they feel you and they appreciate you and they, uh, they congratulate you, you should be very scared. Because Jesus said, that is how they clapped for the false prophets as they were marching down to hell. How should the world know you? The world should know you as a disciple, as a follower who has nothing else to prove other than Jesus. Parenting, allow me to say by the authority given unto me, not by this church, but by Jesus. Parenting is about modeling souls for Jesus. Marriage is about modeling souls for Jesus. Pastoring and apostleship is simply modeling souls for Jesus. If these people are not transforming into Christ-likeness, then what else do you have to show on that day? The problem, Pastor Kimani, with other standards is that they are hard to keep. And like world records that will be broken during the Olympics, somebody better will come and break it. And here you are, sitting on the pedestal saying, I am this and that. And somebody comes and breaks and exits the same thing you think you are good at. As I finish, Moses meets Jesus. But in those days, he was called Jehovah in the burning bush. And Moses has grown up in a culture where there are so many gods with the titles, there are so many concepts like architecture, medicine, and everything we see in modern times. Those days they were there in Egypt. There was a modern library, there was an aqueduct system of transporting water. Everything you see today, including swimming pools, were there those days. Moses has grown up with substance. He has grown up with what we call urbanization. Then he meets God. And God knows he is about to send this man back to a system of things and people. And what does he tell them? I am who I am. Not I have what I have. If you told him I have what I have, he will be comparing himself to Egypt. 
He will be comparing his, his properties to what Egypt has. So he tells Moses, I am who I am. And Moses is like, what do I go and tell them? Meaning, what can I carry as proof? These people have ten gods and counting. Which god do I carry to them to show them? These people have wealth, they have gold, they have silver. What do I take as a substance to them? And the Lord kept repeating like a man dozing. I am who I am. Why? Our greatness is not in what we have. Our greatness is in who we are. In him. Initially you want to have this so that people can take you seriously. Initially you want to acquire this so that you can present yourself you know, with, with joy and confidence, maybe before some people. But after a while, as you walk and as you meet God, you discover property, no property. Talent, no talent. What matters is this. Do you know him? Does he know you? Are you in a relationship? Good. You can now go back and meet those with everything that can be named. And the problem, Mama Flores, with what can be named, whatever can be named, can be touched. And what can be touched can be destroyed. Oh, I have a house. The fact that it has a name and it is there, somebody can come and swindle it. Oh, I have ten children. Good. What are their names? One, two, three, number ten. Good. The fact that they have names. No wonder now, you, I hope you understand, the Lord Jesus is the name above those other names. No wonder our identity should now be tied to him. Only then will we walk in grace. The greatest title, I repeat again, in the entire world is the disciple of the Lord. If God can give you that, if God can say from heaven, that is my disciple, this is what will happen. You will begin to receive what we call in uh, Politics, intelligent, intelligence reports. Oh, kesho kutakudwa pale. Tomorrow there will be this operation. Heaven will tell you. You will know it. And any sinister or great thing heaven is planning, you will be in the loop. And before you know it, you are not trying to be a prophet. You are just a prophet. And you don't care whether they, are, uh, they recognize you or not. Because you are chasing not an office, but you are busy relating with the one who gives the office. Sooner than you know it, you are at this beautiful intercessor. And you are just interceding and you are not aware. People are admiring the way you intercede. Why? You are so caught up in walking with the Lord. Titles are coming and overtaking you and you are not aware of them. I don't know about you with your vision, but my vision is that all that will be around me will not know me by my office. They will not know me by my talents or by my abilities. They will not be me by my work. They will look at me and say, look at that man. Oh, he's walking with the Lord. Everything with a name can be touched. No wonder some people as they are listening to the sound of my voice. They are full of pain and bitterness. They are full of frustration. Why? Because that thing they were chasing, that name they were trying to have, that thing they were trying to identify has not come through. To them, the Lord is saying, the greatest thing you can become is a disciple. 
I could ask you as I prepare to minister together with my brothers. Where are those people who owned 20,000 acres of land during the days of Paul? Where are they? Where are those people who built the first aqueduct like Aaron? A man who combined technology of warm water and cold water. And he brought it together. And people felt like worshipping the man. Where are these people? Where are these people who are... Paul even asked Pastor Kimani in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Where are the philosophers? Where are the thinkers of this age? Where are they? Where are they because they pursued something that for a while looked like something till the one who is the ancient of days came and overtook them. I want you to come to rest. This is the rest I want you to come to. You've been condemning yourself because you are not this and that. And the Lord is telling you, as long as you agree to be a disciple, you are not a loser. As long as you agree to be a disciple, no, one, no matter even if you are not able to provide for your children, before heaven, you are still a hero. Yes, you have not yet bought those 10 acres in that prime area, but my brother, my sister, are you a disciple? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you desiring every day to be near Jesus? History as a place for you. How many acres of land did Paul own? In fact, those days, pastor, they were busy selling. The first time Barnabas is mentioned, he's mentioned as a, as a Levite who brought also, who sold his properties and brought to the feet of the disciples. Those days we were busy disposing of. Today we are busy acquiring and yet we cannot yet be great. <laughs> Those days we were selling off and becoming great. Today we are getting and getting and acquiring and we are not even worth calling great. Why? Greatness is not in what a man has. It is in what a man loses for his master Jesus. I know we are in the month of grace. But if we take this magic hand and flash it on people and say, grace, grace, and they are not disciples, we will just be deceiving them. Disciples don't have to beg for grace. They just have to walk in grace because grace is Jesus. Grace is a person. But the way to get closer to grace is simply get closer to the source and the definition of grace, who is Jesus. I want to minister to you together with my brother uh, Peter and even Pastor. This is the ministry, how it is going. Tomorrow, life will be over. How will you be remembered? Tomorrow, it will be all over. How will your children remember you? Mommy, will they just remember you for your good gifts and your chocolates and your sweets? Or will they remember you for Jesus? Daddy, will they remember you for your big stick and your firm voice? Or will they remember you for Jesus? Oh, dear intercessor, dear prophet, dear whoever you are, how will they remember you? Will they remember you for how powerful your gift is and how sharpened your manners are? Or will they remember you for Jesus? 
And when I talk about disciple, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not, I'm not talking about being excellent. I'm only talking about being genuine in your walk with Jesus. Giving your walk with Jesus your all. And I know many of you, the report is not Jesus. It is other things, whether good or bad. We are going to minister to you that the Lord will give you the heart of a disciple. That in the process, whatever now you need, be it resources, okay? Be it the paperwork, be it the money, be it whatever, whatever you will need now to facilitate your discipleship before the people you are relating with, the Lord will now give it to you. As simple as that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I feel a lot of pain in the heart of several people in this place who have wasted history pages with other titles, with other indications. People know you as a good this, good that, but there is no Jesus they know. This is your day to be totally, totally free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I have a burden. I don't know about you. That the Lord will remove everything I'm trying to carry and will give me only Himself. Every image I'm trying to project and will give me Himself. And after that, if he gives me money, if he gives me fame, if he gives me influence, well and good. But my primary desire, Lord, clothe me and project through me. Who is joining me? Come. My brother, Peter, join me. Who is joining me? Come. One desire, Lord, that will be a disciple. I know I can sing. I know I can write. God, I know I am a good professional. God, I am a good this. But, Lord, I don't want to be known for things. I want to be known for you. That's the angle we are taking this evening. That's the angle. And when you come to the front, some of you, you feel you need to repent. Just telling the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. They have known me for other things. Just talk to the Lord as we wait to minister to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just talk to the Lord. Some of you, you've been known for crazy things. But this evening, the Lord is about to set you free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So this is how we are going to minister to some of you. Some of you, what is blocking you from being a true disciple is your anger. And some of you, it is your pride. Some of you, it is your impatience or ambition. And this evening, some of you may know it, others may need to be told prophetically. We are going to do that. And in the same breath as we do that, we are going to approach every other issue that the Lord may direct we approach in your life. Some of you, I know you are representing sick people and everything. We are going to deal with that by the Spirit of God. That's why I told you, if you come to the front, just talk to the Lord quietly. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry for this. And Lord, help me with this. Some of you, I'm seeing uh, some people 
their tongue is this long. Till people just know you for your mouth and your opinions, they don't know you for your Jesus. This is your evening to encounter the Lord. And the Lord is going to really set you free. So talk to the Lord briefly before we minister to you. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. There's a scripture in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Where Jesus looked at the at the crowd and he said, Come unto me. He actually cried as he was beckoning to them. All you who labor and are heavy burdened, I'll give you rest. In other words, Jesus looked at the people and they were carrying loads and loads and loads of burdens. And many of us, what bother us, they are the burdens. Those are the burdens. They are issues of life. It's what we don't have. It's what we want to become. What we shall become. The Lord would say to us today, dare him to take all those burdens to him. Dare him. Take those burdens to him. None of us who has come to Christ who should carry a burden because Christ is available and it is for you and your burdens that he came. I give you some what normally many Christians do. Like is have you ever seen somebody who puts all the the trashes okay in a trash can and he carries them to the waste or the dumping ground. Normally, it is expected that when you get there, you empty the trash can and you leave the trashes there and you go back home with an empty can. But you know what many Christians do? They come to Jesus with their burdens. But instead of emptying the trash can and give Jesus the trashes, they go back with it. And that's why most of the time you find ourselves coming back again and again with the same burden. 
what is bothering you is a trash. You don't need it. That's why it's a bother. That's why it's a pain. Take it to him. And once you take it, leave it there. And should the enemy, because the enemy, the enemy of your soul is the devil. And he's a liar and the father of all lies. What you'll do is to lie to you that you still have that burden. And then you believe it. That you have the burden. And of course, if you believe you have it, you have it. And it is start bothering you. But it is not there. The truth is, you took it to Jesus. But if you know that you left it there, even if someone reminds you that you have it, you say, no, but I left it with Jesus. How can I be having it? Praise God. Today, the Lord has taken your burdens. You are free. None of you should leave that door with what you have left to the Lord here. You came here to be prayed. I saw you being prayed for. Please don't pick what has already been left here to go back with it. You are free in the name of Jesus. Walk in freedom. Amen? That's what it is. That's what faith is. Amen? Believe what you have asked and you shall have it. The opposite is the same. Don't believe what you have asked and you not have it. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. There's a scripture in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, where Jesus looked at the at the crowd and he said, "Come unto me." He actually cried as he was beckoning to them. All you who labor and are heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. In other words, Jesus looked at the people and they were carrying loads and loads and loads of burdens. And many of us, what bother us, they are the burdens. Those are the burdens. There are issues of life. It's what we don't have. It's what we want to become. What we shall become. The Lord would say to us today, dare him to take all those burdens to him. Dare him. Take those burdens to him. None of us who has come to Christ 
who should carry a burden. Because Christ is available and it is for you and your burdens that he came. I'll give you some what normally many Christians do. Like is have you ever seen somebody who puts all the the trashes okay in a trash can and he carries them to the waste or the dumping ground. Normally it is expected that when you get there you empty the trash can and you leave the trashes there and you go back home with an empty can. But you know what many Christians do? They come to Jesus with their burdens. But instead of emptying the trash can and give Jesus the trashes. They go back with it. And that's why most of the time you find ourselves coming back again and again with the same burden. What is bothering you is a trash. You don't need it. That's why it's a bother. That's why it's a pain. Take it to him. And once you take it, leave it there. And should the enemy, because the enemy, the enemy of your soul is the devil, and he's a liar and the father of all lies, what you'll do is to lie to you that you still have that burden. And then you believe it. That you have the burden. And of course, if you believe you have it, you have it. And it is start bothering you. But it is not there. The truth is, you took it to Jesus. But if you know that you left it there, even if someone reminds you that you have it, you say, no, but I left it with Jesus. How can I be having it? Praise God. Today, the Lord has taken your burdens. You are free. None of you should leave that door with what you have left to the Lord here. You came here to be prayed. I saw you being prayed for. Please don't pick what has already been left here to go back with it. You are free in the name of Jesus. Walk in freedom. Amen? That's what it is. That's what faith is. Amen? Believe what you have asked and you shall have it. 
The opposite is the same. Don't believe what you have asked and you not have it. Well, as if you will. 